We are the Chemical Syndicate, and this is a Batman podcast. Today's episode Dynamic Duos. Welcome, everyone, to the Chemical Syndicate. We are your hosts. I'm Shane. And I'm David. And here we are again to talk about the thing we love most in life. What is that? I do believe it is Batman. Oh, that's right. That's what our podcast is about. It is a Batman podcast. Wow. And we're going to be talking about Batman today? Yes. Wow. Knock me over with a feather. What a shocker, everybody. Two guys talking about Batman on a Batman podcast. What did you get yourselves into today? Well, I'll tell you what. Today, David and I are going to be talking about dynamic duos. Yeah. But not specifically Batman and Robin. No, 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 no. Although I do like me some Batman and Robin. They're good. But we wouldn't have a Batman and Robin without a couple of dynamic duos behind the scenes. Mm. Behind the pens that write and draw these stories on paper on paper that's right maybe not so much anymore well no a true collector appreciates paper i am one of those people that appreciates paper there you go i'm feeling paper as we speak oh how's it feel like paper oh nice but with that being said yep we are going to be exploring the 80 plus year history of batman via the creative teams throughout the past 80 plus years that have molded and shaped Batman creatively in a lot of different ways that has impacted not just comic book culture, but even pop culture. And now be very forward. We know this is going to be very, I guess you can say subjective in a sense, but more so we're also looking at a certain factors that really matter. um, Such as I think landmark, you know, story events, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, successful kind of sales, you know, that kind of factor in, like the eras yeah. in which, oh man, this is really good. Everybody's making money, comic books are selling, and yeah. Batman's selling, you know, those titles are doing great. Uh, you know, just a lot of uh, character moments, things that are, you know, legendary, character creations, yeah, um, just stories, anything, anything that really equated to the kind of success that has... I guess, really lifted Batman's legend to an all-new high. Yeah. So it will be, I guess, comparatively a short list, uh, short list I'm sorry, uh, compared to like the fact that we're talking about something that's 80-plus years of comic books. Yeah. Just comic books only. Not, not a comprehensive list, but just uh, things that, that jumped out to us in our, in our research. Now, for those of you that don't know, there are certain eras in in the comic book history. So for those of you that don't know, there's a thing called the golden age, then the silver age, then the bronze age, and what we're living through right now, the modern age. And the rest. And the rest. (laughs) 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 So the best, so looking this up too, it's like the years that they break it down for each era, which I, I've had to question recently because it's just weird. At least I, I think it's weird when I think about it. Yeah. You've got the Golden Age, which takes place between 1938 and 1956. 
Then it turns into the Silver Age, so from 1956 all the way to 1970. Then 1970 onward to 1985 is the Bronze Age. Mm -hmm. And then since 1985 all the way to today <laughs> is the Modern Age. Now, that's a huge chunk of time compared to like these like all these other eras had less than 20 years. Yeah. Less than 20 years. Yeah, I feel like they kind of ran out of uh, things to <laughs> to categorize. And they can't backtrack either. Yeah, they can't. Wait, wait, no, no, no. The thing that was the golden age, that's uh, that's actually the the platinum age. Let's, let's call it that one, the platinum age. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm not a rich man, nor do I understand jewelry and the importance of gold, silver, yeah. platinum, bronze, all that stuff, diamonds, the diamond age, or whatever. But I don't know any of that. Yeah. I don't know how that works. And I think they probably, you know, shot their shot when they did. Yeah. And whoever came up with this concept wasn't thinking ahead. Yeah. Maybe they thought comics would be dead after <laughs> after uh, the modern age. But here we are getting closer to 40 years. Yeah. And they're still in the modern age. That's how we. That's how it's uh, broken down for us. What we've done, though, is uh, taken that modern age and just broken it down by decade. So we got... As we get into it, we'll get into the 90s, 2000s, 2010s, um, and uh, part of the 80s as well. Can you believe it? Oh, my God. The oh my 80s. God. The 80s. The 80s? Yeah. I like the 80s. I was born in the 80s. And I was molded by it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't become the 1980s until I was a man. <laughs> by then, it was nothing to me but the 90s. No. Oh. Wait. Wait. Disregard that. <laughs> Scratch all that. Scratch all that. Anyways, yes, we're going to break it down as best we can, um, even through some bits that I consider to be muddled history mm. um, creatively. Yeah. I think we'll be talking about that pretty early on on this uh, list of ours. Yeah. But yeah, let's go ahead and explore. We've got a lot of different creative teams, a lot of accomplishments and achievements and things that they've done. And once again, I, I would like I said, I would say this is subjective, but we're just kind of breaking it down for what we discovered um, and you know, we're also open and interested if you're listening to this, if you know a thing or two about a thing or two about the old Batman and comic book creators and artists and writers involved, we would absolutely love to hear your opinions as well as to what you thought of our list and what we come up with. With that being said, let's get this ball rolling. We're going to the golden age, baby. Ooh, getting in that gold. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and. Do some prospecting. <laughs> There's gold in them dark comics. <laughs> Dare I say, I see a stream, and I see some flickers of gold. I think there might be some flakes worth a little something. There's a, there's a Superman, and then, and then maybe there's a little uh, uh, Wonder Woman. And what, what what's right in between right there? What do I see? Is that a, a Batman? My God, we struck gold. <laughs> We're rich. I did not suspect that today I would be trying to do that impression of a prospector, <laughs> nor for you to perfect doing an impression of a prospector. <laughs> But yes, we're going to the golden age, which takes us back to the creation of Batman. So imagine the creation of Adam, <laughs> Bob <laughs> Kane, <laughs> as God, you know, touching a naked Batman. <laughs> Put a mask on Adam. <laughs> just you know, just getting his the finger out on. there, just touching touching each other. <laughs> the creation of Batman. Yes, 1939, the year that Batman was born, thanks to 
artist Bob Kane, and writer Bill Finger. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where everything gets muddled immediately. <laughs> David, can you walk us through this very complicated early relationship? Well, uh, it seems uh, that Bob Kane likes to take credit for things that uh, <laughs> he maybe <laughs> shouldn't take as much credit for. So Bob Kane came up with the concept of the Batman, Bat-Man, and his concept was uh, a man with stiff bat wings, uh, blonde hair, red leotard, and a domino mask. And uh, that's what he had. And he brought that to Bill Finger, who he had, he had worked on some comics uh, previously. And uh, it seems that Bill Finger really came up with all the concepts that we think of as Batman. The dark costume, uh, a cape, <laughs> scalloped cape instead of a stiff bat wings. Um, he, Bill Finger came I mean, up with... I mean, even under the mask. Bruce black Wayne. Black hair. Black hair. Yeah. Came up with the name Bruce Wayne. Came up with Gotham City. Batmobile. Came up with the origin that his parents were murdered. Mm-hmm. Um, and the detective style. Yeah, yeah. And even Bob Kane himself would, would say, you know, he came up with the idea that Batman is a Batman's a scientist. <laughs> a scientific <laughs> detective. Is there a uh, scientist? <laughs> He's not Batman. <laughs> Batman's a scientist. <laughs> um, we're going to have a lot of Simpsons references all throughout our... That should all, all listeners should know. <laughs> Anytime we say something that sounds weird, it's usually a Simpsons reference. Yeah, that or I'm doing Russell speak. You know, like this guy jobbed out or something. <laughs> so, uh, just a heads up on that. It's gonna be filled with that today. <laughs> but yeah, so the, the the reason why we think of Bob Kane as the um, creator of Batman is because he negotiated a deal uh, without Bill Finger, with uh, excluding Bill Finger, um, to get the sole rights and. Uh, credit as creator so that on everything that you see for for batman it says batman created by bob kane um and it wasn't only until recently mm, like 2015 20 I th- yeah i'm trying to think was it um it was right on time for batman v superman yeah that was the first time where you get to see uh batman created by bob kane with bill finger Hell yeah. Um, very cool. There's a Hulu documentary if yeah. you want to learn all about that. I think it's uh, Batman and Bill. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 sad mm-hmm. and it does have a happy ending. Yeah. And it's a very unique story. I think it's a great insight to how comic creators, you know, such as mm-hmm. writers and artists, it's a really good insight as to the kind of issues that they dealt with mm-hmm. with compensation. Yeah. You know, being credited and being, you know, paid for the work that's blown up and made, you mm-hmm. know, so much money for all these publishers. Yeah. So I think it's a really great documentary that really covers a lot of ground. Um, it's just, it, it's baffling and it's sad because um, he's not the only one, I'm sure, that mm-hmm. suffered from that. No, definitely not. I mean, that's, that. the, the interesting thing is how, how um, representative that is of the era where people were just really screwed over <laughs> artists, <laughs> writers, a lot of people would be screwed over. The deal that, that Bob Kane got was actually not typical deal to actually have his name on there. Like uh, Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, creators of Superman just a year earlier too. Yeah. Did not get that deal and had to fight 
all the way to today even um, to try to get credits and uh, compensation for themselves, for their families. Um, so it's, yeah, it, it, just that, you know, Bob Kane was just, I think he had like a um, uh, family member that was a lawyer uh, <laughs> and was able to tell him, hey, this is the kind of deal you want. And uh, he was able to able to get that deal. What, was his uh, was that lawyer able to catch a brick through a, through a window? <laughs> I don't think he was that good of a lawyer. <laughs> nah, he's not that good of a lawyer. What a bum. Uh, but yeah, Bob Kane, you know, probably one of those, you know, I, I guess if I had to give him some credit, he was ahead of his time in that type of thinking. Yeah. Because, I mean, what normal writer or artist at that time working for a publisher churning out the funny pages yeah you know uh would think to themselves man i think i've got a really great idea Mm -hmm. or at least i have an idea and somebody made it better and i'm gonna you know lock it down just in case Mm -hmm. i mean who thinks like that yeah especially back then back at that time i mean back then it was just like the um the publishing company or the the company that you're working for says hey anything that you make is ours and we're going to give you a check and by signing the back of this check you give up all the rights mm-hmm. and everybody did it because they were just like, well, that's just the way it is. You know, I'm, I'm writing for this and they were just happy, I guess, to be able to actually write comics, you know, actually do something that was um, a love of theirs, you know? And, and one thing to point out too is, you know, we're talking detective comics issue number 27. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the debut of the Batman character. It's probably just supposed to be a one shot throwaway. Yeah. So, Think of all the other issues of certain other comics, like Action Comics. Like, what was it? Uh, what issue did Superman debut in? Uh, action Comics number one. So there was no other Action <laughs> Comics not featuring Superman. But I would imagine that, you know, when you have those types of titles, yeah. it's all meant to be short stories, yeah. one-shots. Like, Spider-Man was, like, Amazing Fantasy 15. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, was it Thor, Journey into Mystery? or was Journey- Yeah, I, I forgot what issue. Or was that Loki? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. We're, we're getting out of our depth here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Forget that. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, for the most part, the reason why probably a lot of those writers and artists in general just never really fully thought of that is because, well, this is probably just one thing, one right. job. That's yeah. it. It won't blow up. I'll never see them again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, Batman's never going to exist again. And here we are, 80-something years later, we're on a podcast about Batman. <laughs> um, and there's been movies that make billion dola- billions of dollars, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's a franchise that just keeps churning out money. Yeah. So but how would, you know, even Bill Finger on his own thinking to himself, ah, oh, you know, I'm just helping this guy out do an issue. Yeah. And that's that. Right. And then he's coming back for more issues and more, and, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't, now it's like... Keeps adding to the mythology and making so much of, of what is Batman, Batman, you know? Right. And that leads us into some of the other, you know, contributors. Now, this is where the muddling kind of comes in, because <laughs> you, you don't see throughout the rest of the golden age of Batman in the comics, where you get other creative teams. Mm-hmm. You get a lot of other creators who come in and work with Bob Kane. Mm-hmm. Or more accurately, they work for Bob Kane. Yeah. And Bob Kane will just basically take full credit for whatever yeah. <laughs> you did, uh, literally, yep. um, as there's been stories out there. And, you know, next on kind of the list, so to speak, I mean, this is where we sort of deviate momentarily because this is truly a very uh, formative era for Batman as you're not really getting 
creative teams coming in and doing quality work for the sake of Batman, you've got people hired doing quality work for Bob Kane for Batman. Yeah. yeah. And that's where you have somebody like Jerry Robinson coming in mm-hmm. for Batman number one and some other many, many issues after that. Yeah. And he's one of the biggest co-creators of one of the most absolute, probably the most famous comic book villain of all time. Yeah. And I'm talking about, who am I talking about? David, refresh my memory. I am feeling uh, a little, little bit salty and old today. Uh, I think he has green hair. Uh, he has a, a white face. Okay, okay. Uh, um, red lips. What? Kind of has like a clownish. Oh, I don't know clowns. Clown. Are yeah. we talking about John Wayne Gacy here? <laughs> I, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're talking about another homicidal maniac who's fictional and <laughs> hasn't really killed anybody that, you know, uh, reality. Um, we're talking about... The Joker. Joker. The Joker. Yeah, dude. Um, he co-created the Joker. And, you know, even back then, like, you know, the Joker isn't really going to be considered uh, a recurring character. Yeah. Yeah. He's because he, doesn't he, like, technically die in that first issue? Yeah. Or, like, he kind of, like. He's, or, yeah. Appears to have yeah, died. Yeah. They all That's, appear to die. <laughs> is that the beginning of if you don't see the body, they're not dead? Probably. Yeah. I mean, or maybe that was always a trope back in the day. Somebody falls off a cliff. Like, yeah. well, that's the end of that. <laughs> but did he die? But did he? Is yeah. there a body? Is he dead? But yeah, he co-created one of the most, uh, you know, most iconic villains ever. Yeah. Uh, everybody loves the Joker. <laughs> that's what more can be said. Yeah. That's it. End of, you know, end of the episode. <laughs> that's it. It's the Joker. Um, but no. Uh, Jerry Robinson, who... Was it probably more towards the '80s that he eventually got credited, or was I think it? So. Was he able to kind of get that early on? Um, I I don't know actually. I, I I would imagine that obviously he he would have been saying that he he co-created the Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember there's that uh, that video Stanley did this video series uh, called the Comic Book Greats, um, and he one episode was uh, him interviewing Bob Kane. And Bob Kane, like no prompting at all, brought up the fact that that he made uh, Joker all by himself, <laughs> nobody else. <laughs> he brought in some some drawing that uh, he said proves it because you I was see here. right here. I made, I created the Joker. I created the Joker, and my, I just, I just did it. I hey. thought of Adrian Veet from The Man Who Laughs, and then I just made the Joker. <laughs> And look, my name is right here. It says it plain as day. I even did the big O in Bob. <laughs> you can, that's oh, how you know it's That's me. how you know it's a Bob Kane original. I did it. There's the proof. <laughs> the big O. I, <laughs> I mean, it's no manic mailman, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so but it's just weird. Like, Bob yeah. Kane would do that. Yeah. He's, he would just take credit and could not at all um, really ever, ever give credit. He did, like, after Bill Finger died. Uh, long after, I think, in his biography, in his in his Batman and Me uh, biography, maybe he he talked about. Um, I wish Bill could have gotten more credit. <laughs> Whereas, you know, while Bill was alive, Bob was like, no, he had nothing to do with Batman. <laughs> you know, like he would take everything he could to to say I have sole credit and to to get that. And it's like it it, it gets to the point where it's not even like a legal thing where he has to say that so that he can keep getting his money. Although that's part of it, but 
another part of it too is that he's he was narcissistic. He wanted everyone to think I made this big cultural thing, mm-hmm. um, and then he didn't. I mean, th- try to think like, did he make anything else? <laughs> was there anything else that Bob Kane did? Yeah, that's that's really the that's the thing. Like you know, like this amazing character, Batman. Yeah. Uh, created by Bob Kane, just Bob Kane for so long, yeah. for, like the better part of its existence. Yeah. And, you know, just imagine like being on a set of a movie like for Batman 89, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine you're Michael Keaton, you get introduced to the guy who created Batman, Bob yeah. Kane, you're like, wow, you created a great character and now I'm portraying him and I hope to do him justice by you. And mm-hmm. he's like, well, you don't have blonde hair or the <laughs> stiff wings, but you'll do. <laughs> like, whatever. I mean, it's just – and honestly, you're going to probably throughout the entirety of this series, you're going to hear me just <laughs> dump on this dude because honestly, it's it's it sucks. Yeah. But Jerry Robinson, you know, assisted uh, Bob Kane and Finger in co-creating the Joker, along with the Boy Wonder. Yeah. The Robin. other half of that dynamic duo. Robin. 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 Dick Grayson. Robin. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, it's oh, not that kind of podcast. Oh. Hold it with that language. Take it easy. Richard. Potty mouth. Sorry, Richard Grayson. <laughs> Richard Grayson of the Flying Graysons. <laughs> another iconic character. Another, yeah. you know, character that would have such longevity and, mm-hmm. you know, evolution yeah. from, uh, you know, being the boy Wonder Robin to becoming his own man, being Nightwing. Yep. And uh, eventually donning the cape and cowl as Batman for a period. And, yeah, it's another, you know, another really successful character who was recurring and very important to the mythos. Mm-hmm. Um, another... A co-creator that uh, was a ghost artist for Bob Kane's studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob Kane's favorite ghost artist, if I may <laughs> say so, from what I've read. Uh, Dick Sprang. Yeah. Whoa, I can't believe I said Whoa, that now. now you got the potty mouth. Jesus. Dick Sprang. <laughs> Whoa. That's a hell of a name. That is a hell of a name. That's a great, oh, that's, that's a great mean, name, honestly. That's a great porno name. Yeah, I was going to say, that's. <laughs> I can't believe that there there's no, I mean, maybe there is. Maybe there is. I mean, there is a James Dean in there you porn. Go. <laughs> hey, man. Don't ask how I know. Um, <laughs> but there could be a Dick Sprang. Dick Sprang. Dick Sprang is, well, not well known, but you know, eventually credited for, you know, co-creating the Riddler. Mm-hmm. As we all know, that guy likes to make you go through puzzles. <laughs> Upcoming. Upcoming main villain yeah. in the Batman movie coming out very soon here. Can't wait for it. Oh, uh, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Also, you know, uh, the Jim Carrey version of the Riddler is uh, something. <laughs> it's time for a change. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, one of the most iconic, another iconic Batman villain in his rogues gallery, his incredible rogues gallery. Yeah. And people love the Riddler, man. So Dick Sprang, he yeah. co-created that. Sprang the Riddler. He from, sprang the Riddler. Um, another, you know, co-creation. Uh, that yeah, I wouldn't say a great Batman villain, but he's 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 somewhere in there. He's in the middle, but he's also going to be having a big movie debut very soon. I'm talking about Firefly. Oh, Garfield Lins going to be fighting Batgirl. Yeah, the girl who's a bat, the bat who would be a girl. Hmm. Oh, wow. But yeah, he's not a not a main you know not a main main guy at least not yet yeah. you know uh, depending on adaptations and stories you tell he could be but he's had longevity too he's been recurring mm-hmm. he's been featured and adapted in other projects so yeah. it would be pretty cool to see him on the the big screen or little screen what have you and yeah. um, just another consistent recurring character that was co created and 
you know, featured. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking of another uh, featured co-created character, Kite Man. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, he wasn't like that back in the day. <laughs> but uh, Kite Man has... Um, is it one of those investments that just pays off later? Uh, <laughs> Kite Man? <laughs> one of the most recent runs of Batman written when uh, Tom King was writing for him. Mm-hmm. He uh, brought him back, and that's where the whole hell yeah thing, he's just like, oh, Kite okay. Man. Hell yeah. <laughs> so that, that's where that came from. But he's, he's that's, <laughs> it all sprang from Dick there. There we uh, go. That was good. <laughs> yeah, I said it. Yeah. Uh, another um, kind of notable thing that Dick Spring is... Uh, Known for as well, um, one of the more legendary uh, stories featuring the Joker called Joker's Millions. Oh, that's right. Where Joker receives an inheritance from a mob boss he used to work with or annoy, depending on <laughs> who you are in that syndicate, and uh, ends up basically getting in trouble with the IRS. <laughs> as all gangsters do man oh man i love it like i love the adaptation for it too which we'll have to talk about one day in the animated series mm-hmm. just brilliant one of my favorite lines ever is i'm crazy enough to go toe to toe with batman but the irs no way <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing a more real statement than that <laughs> and a uh, quick thing on dick spring something i think you had pointed out to me is he's very well known for a certain art style yeah, yeah, kind of like big props. If you if you think of Batman, you ever see him jumping off a big typewriter or going up against like a big, I don't know, pair of scissors or something like that, <laughs> running around. Uh, that's most likely Dick Sprang that uh, drew that. Yeah. So, I yeah, big giant typewriter, just Batman <laughs> being, I don't know, either jumping off of it or being typed into something. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's nuts. Um, and then two other notable uh, artists that worked um, at Bob Kane's studio was Sheldon Maldoff and Lou Schwartz. So yeah. they, I wouldn't say they have anything really of note to really bring up to everybody, but they worked a lot of, they worked on a lot of issues. Yeah. They really, you know, it was just one of those things where they're just churning out work and it's yeah. just being, you know, brought over. Now, I, David told me a great story that he uh, had discovered in his findings <laughs> about DC editor Julius Schwartz yeah. and Bob Kane. David, uh, I need you to tell this story. Yeah. It's, I, I just got a great laugh, and I hope that if you listen to this, mm-hmm. you'll just appreciate it after everything we've already talked about. <laughs> so um, uh, when I was doing research and stuff for the episode, I came across uh, a video. There's a, a channel on uh, YouTube called Comic Tropes, uh, and they had a whole uh, episode just about uh, Bob Kane. I think it's called Unspeakable, <laughs> Bob, <laughs> the Bob Kane story. Um, but he, he talks about uh, uh, Julia Schwartz uh, told a story at, at some Comic-Con, that Bob Kane uh, brought in some artwork uh, for for Batman. He was dropping off uh, artwork. And uh, Julie Schwartz was looking at it and uh, was like, okay, this looks good, but this one panel here, let's have like a, a Marvel-style punch. I want Batman to have like a real big fist coming out at the reader here. Ball up your fist, assert <laughs> <Reach> yourself, <laughs> reach back, assert yourself. He's giving him the old uh, two-face uh, <laughs> training there. I love it. Um, and uh, at, at this time, it was it was pretty well known that Bob Kane didn't draw <laughs> the stuff that he dropped off. <laughs> at least and, all that recent work over yeah, the years. Yeah, and uh, and how uh, you know his what his attitude was, and how he was you know so um, narcissistic about it, and 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 kind of a, a credit hog for everything. 
And so Julius started to have some fun with him, and he said, you know, why don't you, why don't you redraw this panel for me? And Bob goes, okay, I'll take this home and get it for you in the, in the morning. And Julius goes, no, 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 we got to get this to the letterer right away. So come on, it's, you're the great Bob Kane. This should take you just two minutes, right? <laughs> the great and, Bob Kane. <laughs> the great Bob Kane. Look at the O. That's you. The big O. The big O. We all know it's your work. You, you, it's it's signed o. right here. You did this, right? You, you, wrote, you drew this, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so after a little bit of convincing, he finally convinced uh, Bob Kane to, to go and, and do the art corrections. He was gone for about 30 minutes, as, as Julia Schwartz says. Brings back the artwork and... Uh, Julie Schwartz looks at it, goes, oh, it's perfect. Looks great. And so I got, got to give you credit, Bob. It, it, you, it took you a little bit, but you got it here, and it looks good. How long did it take him again? Like 30 minutes. Okay. Uh, for, <laughs> for one panel, so just to redraw one panel with a big fist. For a professional artist <laughs> <laughs> who's been drawing Batman, quote, unquote, been drawing Batman. I mean, he's drawn all the Batmans for, for yeah. all those years. All these years. He should know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the great Bob Kane. Great Bob Kane. And then finally, uh, Julie Schwartz found out uh, later that day um, Bob Kane sat for about 20 minutes drawing, erasing, redrawing, erasing, redrawing until finally he just he just paid one of the artists in the studio 10 bucks to just draw it for him. <laughs> he was just so close to actually earning the credit to that artwork. <laughs> <laughs> he still gave it up to Couldn't somebody else. Couldn't do it. The great Bob Kane, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Let's just remember that. The great Bob Kane. Well... Let's get out of the golden age because, ugh, we spent enough time on it. And it's it dripping in gold. We got to get all this gold off. Yeah, I got to get that gold off. You know the, you know. So yeah, Bob Kane, Bill Finger set the pace, but it took a really long time to truly establish another team that could really impact Batman. And that's where, once again, DC editor Julius Schwartz come into play because back in the '60s, the early to mid '60s, he put together a great team of Carmine Infantino and who's an artist. And John Broom, who's a writer, put them together for the sole goal of giving Batman and Robin a new look. And uh, as well as, fo- you know, as well as creating stories that are more focused on a detective-orientated Batman. He had gotten kind of goofy. Batman had gotten pretty, pretty goofy uh, by this time. Like, in through the 50s, it was a lot of you mean sci-fi like, stuff. You mean like jumping off of typewriter Jumping goofy? off yeah. of big typewriters <laughs> and going to other planets and having... Multiple different colored suits, all that stuff. Everything. Yeah. Just out of this world. Going a little bit too too far away from from the first uh, first story of him just taking out some gangsters. Yeah. So they were tasked with just bringing him back to Earth mm-hmm. and having more grounded <laughs> stories, or at least as good as grounded stories as you can have. But yeah. being able to kind of go back to the roots of what people yeah. liked about Batman, which is him being this dark brooding detective, or mm-hmm. at the very least, having... You know, uh, mysteries to solve. Yeah. yeah. What more can you like? Now, part of that redesign for Batman is one of the most iconic looks that we are still seeing to this very day. Mm-hmm. Batman decked out in all gray, you know, with a little bit of a little bit of blue on his uh, cape, cow, and his cowl. Yeah, cape and cowl, and the big yellow emblem. One of the most yeah. iconic things. Big yellow emblem stayed with him. Obviously, like you said, to this day. Yeah. Um, still a big deal. Yeah. You might not see it as much. Yeah, not, now. not a lot of the modern art, but there are a lot of like, you know, still a lot of like toys yeah. and uh, other artwork and things that are very much associated with that look. Yeah. Yeah. They had that yellow oval over his chest for, shoot, from the 60s um, through like the 2000s, probably. 
Yeah, yeah, I would say so. And it's come back a couple of times here and there, depending yeah. on, you know, obviously, they always try to redesign the Bat logo yeah. to meet whatever kind of merchandising needs. I'm, sure, I'm assuming that's what it is. Yeah. That are just to give Batman a fresh look. But <laughs> this was, at the time, a very fresh look. Yeah. So definitely achieved that. Um, they also had some assistance from another uh, artist named uh, Joe Gaella. I hope I'm pr- not pronouncing that correctly. It's either Gaella or Giella. or Giella. 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 Ella. And, you know, you, you had pointed out about the that artwork because um, you had actually taken a look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had seen that there was a description. You kind of agreed with it that the artwork wasn't um, – it was different. It wasn't yeah. stiff. Yeah, yeah. The, the thing that I was reading was saying that um, – they they took it from being from Batman being kind of a stiff figure. When you look at kind of Golden Age stuff, it it, it is pretty stiff. Like he, the action scenes aren't as flowing, and he doesn't look as acrobatic, maybe or as uh, I don't know what physically powerful <laughs> as maybe later on. I feel like in this new look, um, Carmen Infantino was able to create a, a bit more of a lithe figure, mm-hmm. something that's a bit sleeker. Looks like he could. Um, run fast and punch hard. <laughs> you know? um, I like that you just, his art just looks like he just punches harder. <laughs> At least, you know, back then. Yeah, Carmine Infantino, <laughs> show me how to punch a guy. Show me how to punch a guy, Carmine. <laughs> but yeah, you know, so they wrote out pretty much the rest of the 60s with this new look that really kind of helped things out. However... Ending the Silver Age and entering the Bronze Age, it was once again another time for another change. Mm-hmm. And Julius Schwartz was still the DC editor, and he put together you know another great combo that also defined Batman for a new era, for a new whole group of fans to get into. And I'm talking about Dennis O'Neill, who's a writer, and artist Neil Adams. Mm-hmm. Now, Dennis O'Neill, who uh, affectionately is called by real fans as Denny. <laughs> Obnoxious, real fans. But no, people call him Denny. So yeah. occasionally I'll call him Denny O'Neill. And, you know, so just for context, that way everybody understands where I'm coming from <laughs> whoa, here. Whoa, 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 whoa. Who's this Denny guy? I thought he was talking about Dennis. I thought he was talking about the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I do like me some Denny's. For those that are listening to this that know me very well, you know I like me some Denny's. Especially shout out to Denny's in uh, Dallas, Texas. <laughs> Right next to that uh, La Quinta Inn, you were fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) But Dennis O'Neill, Neil Adams, man, what a combo. Mm -hmm. These guys were able to, they were given the task with revitalizing Batman, um, trying to reestablish Batman in his dark, brooding nature, and to get away from all that camp style because, you know, even uh, despite... Carmine Infantino and John Broom being able to take Batman a little bit closer to his roots as best as they could. That's still during the era that the Batman TV series is right. very much going strong and it's popular. Mm-hmm. And that camp style was overwhelmingly just, it was just a, a hit. Popular, yeah. It was very popular. Mm-hmm. And in the comics, sales weren't exactly matching that popularity. So it was time for another change, and this time that change was more or less going to an old familiar, you know, kind of style Mm -hmm. and a familiar theme. And you got to think, too, like we're talking about getting into the very tail end of the 60s and, you know, in 69 going into into 1970. You know, Dennis O'Neill and Neil Adams, those guys grew up probably 
reading the very early comics yeah. that Bob Kane and Bill Finger put out, where it's Batman being a detective, mm-hmm. fighting crime, being a you know mysterious figure of the yeah. night. Yeah, this is kind of the the time period in comics where fans start becoming creators. You know, people that, like Shane just said, people coming up that read these stories as kids are now creating these stories. And a great point to bring up about that, too, relating to the fact that these are fans that are now creators. Um, they revitalized a couple of characters, a couple of huge characters that were never, I guess, properly used mm-hmm. or even taken seriously, who are modern-day pop culture icons, mm-hmm. first and foremost being the Joker. Yeah. Yeah, Joker had kind of He had shelved laid, for, yeah, like, four what, years. four or five years? Yeah, yeah, about four years. They, they didn't use him in the comics. Um, finally, uh, Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams bring him back. I believe the Joker's five-way revenge. Yep, the Joker's five-way revenge, one of the most, uh, yeah. I think, probably, critically, it's probably the best Dennis O'Neill story mm. that he's had for Batman. Yeah. And the artwork by Neil Adams is it's outstanding. I, it's I, no it's no Muhammad Ali and Superman <laughs> boxing, but it's it's still fun. It's it's great to look at. I I, I think I, I have an image in my head of Joker driving a car. There's like I think it's like the first page or something like that. Yeah, big, big splash page. Mm-hmm. Joker's driving a car. Huge, Huge laugh, smile. just yeah. like elongated like features. Like his chin is like down to the steering wheel, and his head is like hitting the top of the roof. Just like laughing. And uh, look, like, this is what the Joker is to me. He's completely maniacal. Uh, he looks unhinged. He, I do not want to be anywhere near this dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you know, taking things to a more adult level, so to speak, mm-hmm. when it comes to, like, the criminality that yeah. the Joker's capable of at this point. Yeah. Creatively, it's like, yeah, let's take it to a whole nother level. This dude's, you know, not just a goofy dude trying to put traps that are meant to be gags. No, yeah. this guy's going to, he's going to do that, but it's also meant to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> Brutally. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah, like he'll shoot you and yeah, the big old bang uh, flag comes out, yeah. but it also does fly out and shoot you. <laughs> and yeah, you like a second later you. when yeah. you feel relieved, that's just a joke. I'm using quotation marks here. Uh, so that's nuts, but it's awesome because it just yeah. redefines a character and it elevates. Yeah. It, it elevates the seriousness of a story that yeah. he's involved in. Yeah. And uh, that's really the kind of tone that they're creating for a new era for all the new fans to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, along with another major character getting revitalized that had been shelved at that point for like 10, 15 years, Two-Face. Two-Face, yeah. Two-Face gets a comeback. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's like... Looking back at that, it's amazing that those are characters that would be just set aside. But mm-hmm. then again, from an era in which, you know, the funny books, you yeah. know, these are supposed to be one-off characters. Oh, look, we've got Two-Face. You get it? He's got two, two faces, faces. <laughs> on one face. And you got yeah. the Joker. He's a clown. He's not <laughs> he going to be in He tells jokes and robs banks and <laughs> comes up with goofy crimes. Yeah. He's not a big deal. Um, yeah, these these um, revitalizations, too, are kind of the... Uh, the characterizations, I think, that that stuck. You know, like mm-hmm. even though they are kind of taking uh, a bit of of what they were when they originally were um, created and introduced into the um, comics back in the '30s and '40s, um, this is the stuff that like informs the the stuff that Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams made is the stuff that will inform like Batman the animated series and the oh, yeah. um, characterizations on that. Or even into Dark Knight, you know, uh, Batman 89, all that stuff. Very influential. Yeah, yeah, very much based on 
what Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams um, come up with. And they even created one of the most modern, you know, uh, uh, bad guys. One of uh, another member of Batman's amazing rogues gallery. It's Raz al Ghul. Are you saying that right? Am I saying that right? Is it Raz? Is it Raz al Ghul? (laughs) You're not Raz al Ghul. I watched him die. Meanwhile, bystander just hanging out watching us like, oh. <laughs> oh, I guess uh, Bruce got into some shit when he was away. <laughs> Man, what is going on here? Ooh, ooh. Those pigs and blankets? Uh, yeah. Ra's al Ghul, the demon's head. Yeah. That's a huge introduction. And, of course. Big character. Yeah, big character. And, you know, through, uh, through Ra's al Ghul, you've got Tali al Ghul. Mm-hmm. And the Lazarus Pit. Yeah. The League of Assassins. Yeah. And... Nanda Parbat. Oh, yeah. And uh, then down the road, many years later, you get Damian Wayne. Yeah. So a character with such longevity mm-hmm. and a little bit more of a, you know, a lot of other characters, other famous characters get tethered yeah. and created through him. It's like, that's it's pretty fun. Another thing, too, that um, the creation of uh, Ra's al Ghul helps uh, Denny O'Neill kind of set Batman up as a globe-trotting hero yeah somebody who's kind of more james bondish mm-hmm. which is kind of in this whole bronze age he kind of gets more james bondish <laughs> like you know wearing a nice suit he was always you know well dressed and 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 you know uh his bruce wayne persona was always uh supposed to be smooth and everything but this is more him like going all over the world tracking down Ra's al Ghul, tracking down other places there's a another story where he like he fights a, a world war ii german <laughs> fighter pilot at yeah. some point i don't think uh, i don't know if denny o'neill and neil adams wrote that one but this one that's popping into my head he's yeah, going yeah. he's going all over the world international it's pretty cool yeah i mean i think that's a it's a great extra touch to the to the to what batman's capable of yeah so uh, it was fun and Razal Gould, i think another day we'll definitely do a little bit more further exploring on him mm-hmm. there's just a lot to unpack because i personally i'm interested in that character a lot and uh yeah it's fun Moving on, though, I mean, in that same era of the Bronze Age, kind of going back to what you mentioned a little bit ago, how much influence that the stories that, uh, you know, Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams had Mm -hmm. that impacted, of all things, Batman the Animated Series. Mm -hmm. So you got Steve Englehart, the writer, along with artist Marshall Rogers. Yeah. They created a... You know, they had a good run with Batman that was very popular. And Mm -hmm. one of the more notable stories that did eventually get a nice adaptation that's fun is... The Laughing Fish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Joker uh, wants to copyright. He poisons a bunch of fish and then wants to copyright the fact that they look like him. <laughs> and, other, and, and other politicians in the government are like, that's not how that works. <laughs> and then he kills him. <laughs> he kills him. It's crazy. I love it. Though. I love that Perfect. the Joker wants to copyright something. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect Joker uh, caper. Yeah. It's it's. It's like it's serious, it's yeah. dark in a sense, but it's also goofy. Yeah, I but think that's what we're very have, much in line. Yeah, Batman fighting a shark too at some point in there. <laughs> oh God, yeah, yeah, but no, it's very much in line. Um, and the, the thing too, so like Batman fighting a shark, that sounds like a golden age stupid kind of, <laughs> you know, like yeah. thing that would happen. But the way that it's drawn uh, is is so compelling mm-hmm. and looks like oh shit, this is exactly what it would look like if. A Batman had to fight a shark. <laughs> That's minus the uh, shark repellent in his yeah, utility exactly. belt. <laughs> minus the bad shark repellent, yeah. <laughs> um, and they also, um, especially with Marshall Rogers, came up with a redesign of what we now know as Deadshot. So he's uh, yeah. not some dude in a top hat, a mustache, and a domino <laughs> ha- uh, domino mask and a fine Just tuxedo. Throwing, 
throwing his uh, his uh, money in our faces, just showing us, hey, I'm a dapper man. Yeah. I got uh, money for a top hat. What do you got? Yeah, now this time around, he is a deadly assassin with a full-on, like, suit of... Tactical. Tactical suit, full red mask or white mask with the, yeah. the little the eye thing and the, yeah. uh, the arm, like, the wrist guns. Wrist and guns. Just everything that you, you know, when you... If you know about Deadshot, that's what... That's this, what you think These of. are the guys yeah. that made what Deadshot looks like more popularly yeah. now. They also... Uh, Steve Englehart also created... Rupert Thorne, who's a big player yeah. in the animated series. Hey, we have yet to see him, though, in live action. Now, they would come back together in the early 2000s to write another, uh, to do another Batman story together mm-hmm. called Dark Detective. Mm. And that one, once again, features the Joker. But this time, he's entering politics as no. he's running for governor of Goth- uh, Gotham City. You know, the, <laughs> or the, the, the city Joker? state, whatever it is. Well, that's the big thing. Like, you know, the whole... Um, the Uncle Sam artwork of I Want You. Yeah. Well, it's Joker pointing at you, vote for me or die. <laughs> or no, vote for me or I kill you. <laughs> it's it's just, it's a classic, like, it's classic, it's a goofy Joker, but you can't laugh him off because... He's going to kill you. He'll kill you, man. He'll kill you he'll dead. kill you dead. <laughs> but let's get into the modern age, yeah. dude. The 80s. Well, that's where we get. Quit some... living in the past, man. We're getting into the modern age. We're we're in the modern age in the nineteen eighties. <laughs> God, yeah, but you know what though? Around this time, we're starting to get more duos and teams. Yeah, more credit. Yeah, more credit is due. And you know what? At the top of that list of one of the greatest writer artist combos is just Frank Miller. <laughs> <laughs> Great writer artist combo, Frank Miller. Um, but. More famously, in uh, was it 1985 is when it came out, right? Or 1986? Uh, I think it's 86. 86. Yeah. I don't know. The Dark Knight Returns. Big one. That's a huge story. That is a, yeah, big influential, kind of inf- still to this day is influencing everything that writers do. They're either trying to do something like it or... Like yeah, they want to live. They want to live up to that standard. Yeah, they want to do something that's as impactful. Yeah, or they want to subvert it in some way. And no, no matter what, if you're if you're writing Batman, you're thinking about Dark Knight Returns in some way. <laughs> and we can get lost in a long, long you know subject of this when it comes to the Dark Knight Returns. And one day we will talk more about it. The but the the protein of it is simply this: it's a story that really encapsulates the history of Batman up to that point, mm-hmm. um, along with kind of really really bringing him down to earth yeah in a more militant kind of mindset mm-hmm. and giving you this inside look of this gritty version of batman who is just you know been there done that yeah with everything and it, it really gives you like this more a different tone than you've ever witnessed before yeah this is um in this era they you get more into the psychology of batman dark knight returns definitely gets into the psychology of why this guy puts on a uh, bat suit <laughs> or, or, or the, his compulsion to do it. Also, too, um, I, I don't know if we had mentioned it, but uh, in this time, too, Grant Morrison and Dave McKean write uh, Arkham Asylum, a serious house on serious earth. Yeah. And again, that's another one, too, that dives into the darkest aspects of Batman's psyche as he goes through Arkham Asylum and... Uh, confronts all these madmen that he's put away <laughs> and what all these madmen kind of uh, bring out in him. Uh, so, yeah, you, you're really getting into the psychology of, of what Batman is, why he does what he does, and uh, 
all all that good stuff. Yeah, and that'll be a story for another time. But definitely recommended reading for Frank Miller as a writer and artist. Uh, the Dark Knight Returns, nice little one man one man show there. But it's not the only thing Frank Miller's done. You may or may not have heard about this, but Frank Miller, along with uh, artist David Mazzucchelli, they did Batman Year One. Year One. Did you know I, about that? I, you know what? <laughs> I we, think I, I feel like we may have talked about this before. I think we've done this already, possibly one episode ago. <laughs> mm. Yeah, guys, Batman Year One, another tremendous uh, artistic duo with Frank Miller and David Mazzucchelli. If you didn't know, we must refer you to Episode One, yes. Year One, where we fully talk about the comic book as well as its impact and the uh, animated adaptation. Definitely would refer to you for that for further exploration yeah. and more information. But next up on that list, another tremendous duo with an with a comic story of Batman that really impacted a ton of things that's still being felt to this very day. I'm talking about writer Alan Moore and artist Brian Bolin in Batman: The Killing Joke. Killing Joke. It's not even a long story. No, it's a one one shot issue. The one shot issue. It is. To what basically what the Dark Knight Returns is to Batman, the Killing Joke is to Joker. Mm-hmm. It's the thing that is supposed to kind of get you in the Joker's head, get you. Uh, it gives you an origin mm-hmm. or a possible a possible origin, origin. <laughs> of the Joker, um, and uh, it's it's one of the things too that uh, inspired Tim Burton to want to actually make a Batman movie. He was it the, the mo- one of the more famous stories is him walking into a writer's room and just showing off the book and he's like like this is the first comic I've ever read yeah that everything about this we should you know yeah look into it's I feel like it's got a ton of Tim Burton type stuff in it, like circus <laughs> weird clowns and bad comedy yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah things that are supposed to be and you know what torturing a father hey torturing a father <laughs> yeah daddy right. issues in there man yeah um. But yeah, things that are that are supposed to be um, fun and uh, for kids it is turned askew and given a, uh, a, a demented kind of um, flip. Yeah, flip, yeah, yeah, going through a demented prism. And, and then on that, it's also exploring more personally uh, uh, this relationship that is Batman and the Joker. Yeah, from yeah. the beginning to the end, mm-hmm. you know, it's Batman trying to sort of figure out: can we at least come to some sort of resolution here yeah or are we gonna end up killing each other yeah and Which, then, but, given yeah. a certain reading yeah. batman kills the joker at the end of it possibly <laughs> possibly nah you don't think so no you don't think he broke him no not one bad that wasn't his one bad day nah oh, yeah you're probably right <laughs> nah <laughs> but also recommended reading batman the killing joke very quick read but one of the most impactful stories to this very day because it you know it's something that they just had to make canon all of a sudden yeah. after that success even in uh like the dark knight yeah that doesn't show any origin for joker they still give the concept in killing joke you multiple know? choice yeah he says i if i have a past or an origin i prefer it to be multiple choice and uh heath ledger's joker gives multiple different ways of how he got his scars yeah it's it really is like one of the most and it's also the idea too of one bad day, yeah, which was a huge theme in, in the story, Knight. yeah, and it's a huge theme in the Dark Knight, yeah. Joker is trying to show everybody that they're not unlike him; that they are all like you. You push people to a certain limit, and they're going to be just like me. They're going to see the world exactly how I see it. It's all 
it's all a joke. Everybody compromises and is bad when when the the chips are down. Everybody is a a, a maniac. I mean, dare we say more? No, in the future, <laughs> in the future maybe. Um, but Never. no, absolutely. You know, it's a, the book is a huge impact, and it definitely has to this very day, even in the comics, is still revered. And you, it, it's like nobody can resist to not touch on that, mm-hmm. you know, mytho and to go back and to really reference it or to even explore further. So it's it's something else. Um, kind of finishing up the '80s here, we've got uh, Jim Starlin, the writer, famous for creating. Uh, Another malevolent figure in <laughs> modern comic book villainly, uh, vil, 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 villainy, vi, villainy, vi, villainy, bad guy stuff. Um, <laughs> Denny villain, <laughs> Dylan, 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 Dylan villain, wave up. What? <laughs> uh, no, uh, Jim Starlin co-created uh, Thanos. Yeah, across that's the street, a, over from Marvel. But yeah, across the street. <laughs> that's out of the purview of our podcast here. Yeah, yeah, well, we're not going to focus on that. <laughs> but he teamed up with the uh, artist Jim Apero. And they worked on a death in the family. They killed Robin. <laughs> well, the people killed Robin. <laughs> the people. The people. Yeah, so apparently uh, new Robin, who took on the mantle after Dick Grayson grew up and hated his dad and wanted to be his own man's, mm. became the Nightwing, uh, or just Nightwing. And um, uh, Batman ended up taking in another stray. I probably shouldn't refer to a kid as a stray. <laughs> uh, but he took in Jason Todd, another uh, you know kid who was uh, living on the streets, had a rough upbringing, but had potential and became Robin. However, this version of Robin was a little bit more headstrong mm-hmm. um, and was not, the at the time, I think, considered a very popular character. Yeah, a lot of people thought that he was a real dick, but not like <laughs> Dick Grayson. <laughs> he was a, a jerk. Uh, just, just really kid. sprang out at you. <laughs> Yeah, he was a brat. Yeah. So they uh, decided to make this story a little bit interesting, which uh, if you believe that, then there we go. So the, the it goes as this, that Denny O'Neill, and I think he was uh, taken over at that time. He was as, an editor. He was yeah. a DC editor. And they put it out to a vote. <laughs> 900 number. <laughs> 900 number. Call it in. Do you does, does Robin live or does Robin die? So you see, they're in Iran, was it? Uh... Or was was it Maybe. some other Middle Eastern yeah. country that was you know I, I guess you know this is the eighties so yeah. everything's like USA versus the world yeah. so I'm not surprised to hear that in American comics you've got Batman taking on terrorism in some form or another yeah um, but uh, Jason Todd's going to try and figure stuff out with his birth mother ends up getting um, Sarajevo hmm? maybe Sarajevo is that what That's, the is that the city mm. and I'm sure I'm, I'm not gonna look, I'm not gonna look it up now we'll just figure it out later. Um, but you know, basically he gets trapped by the Joker and mm-hmm. the Joker beats the hell out of him with a crowbar, Yeah. but not to death, just near death. And then, um, the building gets blown up. That's the end of that issue. Mm-hmm. Then it's just a matter of, did the fans vote that he's <laughs> alive or dead? They voted him dead. He was gone. He's dead. He's, he's dead. <laughs> D-E-D dead. dead. They killed off Robin, mm-hmm. and you got that very uh, iconic, heartless. yeah, bunch of heartless fans, bunch of ruthless people out there. <laughs> I love it, um, but they're, <laughs> they're, but then it creates this very iconic image of uh, the next issue of Batman uh, holding Robin mm-hmm. in his arms, and just this big failure of his that yeah. he allowed this to happen, mm-hmm. you know, and 
It's just one of those things. Uh, I don't know. It's just it's a bummer, but it's iconic. It's a bummer, man. It's a bummer, man. But it affected in the story. It went on to affect Batman. It's and like it it um, affects him for a long time. Even, oh yeah. Even still, because uh, you know it's like kind of thought of as his biggest failure. Um, even though even though Jason Todd is back. <laughs> it's still well, it was a rough relationship that's is, for yeah, sure definitely. still is you let me die <laughs> yeah and you um, didn't you just let joker go yeah. on killing more people they, that, that's a great animated adaptation too is the mm-hmm. uh batman under, under the, the red hood under the red hood yeah really great mm-hmm. uh very very emotional too and like makes sense like you know jason todd wants batman to kill joker just because Joker kills Jason Todd, and he, he just wants he wants to feel that Batman cares about him, and that uh, yeah, you know that's the way he's going to show it because he's he's too effed up right now. But Jason's Todd, uh, Jason Todd's death in the comics is uh, was a huge impact to mm-hmm. Batman in the story. Yeah, because you know makes him reluctant to take on another ward, yeah. which eventually he does with uh, Tim Drake. Because he's a madman. <laughs> Tim Drake, who Tim Drake is is probably my favorite Robin, mm. kind of. Yeah, um, I feel like Tim Drake is the Robin that. Like he, I feel like he doesn't have a. Maybe I, just, I haven't read a lot of stories, but he doesn't have a lot of personality to me. He's just Aww. like the good boy. I feel like he's like well the the good Robin. You he, know, I mean, he is. Uh, he is <laughs> the good Robin. He is the good. Robin. He's actually in terms of like, like he's not emotionally on the level of of uh, Bruce, mm-hmm. but he intellectually he is on the level of Bruce. Like he's a good detective, and he's yeah. like he's formidable fighter he's smart mm-hmm. he's capable yeah like he's exactly like the best qualities of of bruce in terms of like yeah. you know uh just i think what bruce really just hopes he could end up like yeah. you know like bruce bruce got it right with this robin <laughs> yeah like this is the one robin who turned out just fine <laughs> all the other ones uh damaged goods um there's a learning curve there you had to go through a couple yeah. rounds before he could figure it out but uh jim starlin jim apparel they finish off the uh, 80s with a bang and we death. go into the 90s where continuing off with uh, how things were for, uh, you know, for, for Batman in the comics at that time is uh, going right into Nightfall. Yeah. And one of the biggest teams to kind of come together that really made probably without a doubt like a top five image um, and story, mm-hmm. I would say, of the Batman, you know, uh, uh, mythos. I keep using that word. I got to think of something else. Um, but anyways, I'm talking about writer Doug Mensch, or is it uh, Munch? Or, <laughs> or is Monk? It Monk. Mank? I say Mensch. Let's say Mensch. Mensch. Doug Mensch. And uh, returning again, Jim Aparo. Look at that. On the list twice. On the list twice. He's the first repeat. <laughs> um, but they... I guess Frank Miller was on the list twice. Oh, that's right. Ah, fuck. Sorry, Frank. Sorry, Frank. We <laughs> forgot about you. All right, so Frank... Miller and Jim Apparel, two timers, <laughs> two timers on the list. Um, but yeah, uh, Doug Mensch and Jim Apparel, they came together, part of the Nightfall storyline. Mm-hmm. That was huge. And there was a huge buildup for that, too, because yeah. it was uh, Batman Venom leading into it. And then um, I think there was like another story. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, Vengeance of Bane or oh, something like that. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, then we lead into Nightfall and one of the most important issues titled The Broken Bat. Mm-hmm. Literally what it is. It's it's. Bane, who has exhausted Batman to the very point that he catches him off guard in his manner. Yeah. He's already taken out Alfred, and it's just having this finally this big boss fight. But Batman's been just drawn to exhaustion, yeah. and Bane manages to break his back. Yeah. In one of the most iconic, like, you know, panels where it's like, you know, you know, wasn't I won't kill you, whatever else, but I might as well, I will break you. Yeah. And just, big backbreaker. Backbreaker, man. It was that way for, I think, a year? 
Yeah, they um, they went with uh, Jean-Paul Valley being Batman for that year. So it was a long, it was yeah. a long, Nightfall's a super long story. Yeah. Like a, just a continuous thing because it's like this whole buildup and the evolution of it all. Yeah. And then, yeah, it was like this big turning point for Batman in the comics. And yeah. it was just a really interesting concept. Like mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne has been beaten, you know, like yeah. f- definitively. The bat's been broken. Yeah. And just a whole slew of other events that occurred. Yeah. Um, but Doug Mensch and Jim Apparel, they just, you know, that was a great team that really kind of created a lot of those iconic moments in that story. Mm-hmm. And that being the biggest one. Yeah. Oh, but then let's move along to my favorite duo. That's right. I'm biased. <laughs> I'm talking writer, Jeff Loeb and artist, Tim sale, mm-hmm. man, what didn't these guys do? <laughs> other things I'm sure. But David, they did three Halloween specials that's been collect- in a collection called Haunted Night. Wow. And then being uh, sort of uh, lured by Archie Goodwin, mm-hmm. who's a... Uh, I like that Halloween stuff you do. I don't know how Archie Yeah, Archie I like talks. that Halloween stuff. I like what you do with mobsters. <laughs> and that's how we got the long Halloween. The long Halloween. I love the long Halloween. Yeah. Bad, it's this what 13 issues. Mm-hmm. I think it's 13 issues. Like now 12 that or 13. Sounds like a long Halloween. It does. You know, it goes over like the span of a year and a half, and it's mm-hmm. just this long mystery, and it's Batman going through this rogues gallery. Yeah. Now, a lot of the story, like a lot of the elements of this, was also used for like Batman Begins, The Long Halloween. Um, I'm sorry, The Dark Knight. <laughs> uh, and uh, even in the upcoming uh, you know, movie, The Batman, where it's like mm-hmm. I've heard that there is a lot of influence of what The Long Halloween is. Yeah. And it's because it's this mystery. It's this, you know, uh, it's Batman taking on all these different villains. And yeah. it's just this overwhelming, like, uh, you know, crime that's going on with the mobsters and the, the rogues gallery. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a great mix of everything, in my opinion. Yeah. I love the story. It's my absolute favorite. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it is a wonderful story, and like the the Tim Sale artwork is amazing, very distinctive. Very He's got super distinctive I style. Would, I would never ever tell anybody that Tim Sale's artwork is beautiful, right? Yeah, <laughs> but I love it. But it's awesome. It, it's it's, yeah. it's 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 awesome. It's yeah. very com. It's a very comic book, you yeah. know, art style. I think of his. Uh, I feel like it's very angular. There's a lot of like sharp points. I'm thinking of like Batman's nose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's <always> very <laughs> yeah. very sharp. Um, and huge. He draws a huge Batman um, where I'm just like, there's no way this dude is going to be like jumping off rooftops. <laughs> <laughs> jumping off rooftops. <laughs> and you're wearing a mask. Wearing a mask. Um, but yeah, and, and like you said, uh, very influential. Um, goes on to, to get a couple of sequels actually with the yeah, Dark the Victory. Follow up with Dark Victory. And there was a, a spin-off, spinoff with uh, Catwoman when in Rome. Yeah. And uh, then they most recently did come out with uh, a single issue called The Long Halloween Special. Mm. And by the way that ended, it sounds like we might get a little bit more. Ooh. And all of that was done by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. And it's not even the first time they've worked together on other comics. So like this is just the impact they've had on Batman. But yeah. they've done stuff for Marvel with Daredevil, Captain yeah. America, uh, Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man. And yeah. did they do Hulk too or no? Uh, yeah, they did a Hulk one too. I believe. It was Hulk Ray. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, they're one of my favorite combo artist, you know, writer combos of all time. And yeah. I'm very biased. I love the long Halloween. Yeah. That's the I, one that you yeah. would give. Anybody asks you what Batman book should I read? You'd give them long Halloween. Always. Yeah. yeah. That's that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> read, read the long Halloween. Yeah. There's no greater, like, you know, uh, complete story that gives you, like, this 
big, you know, uh, mystery that gives you all these other cool elements that it's Batman versus the mob. And it's also Batman versus the Joker or Batman yeah. versus the Scarecrow, right. Batman uh, chasing Catwoman, mm-hmm. uh, being seduced by Poison Ivy. It has it all, man. Yeah. What doesn't it have? <laughs> I'll tell you what it doesn't have. What doesn't it have? It's going to be what leads us into the 2000s. <laughs> I'm talking about another writer-artist duo. I'm talking Jeff Loeb. Well, yeah, he's back. He's, he's a back. two-timer. He's a two-timer. He's a two-timer. But he's teaming up this time with Jim Lee. Whoa, another big name. Jim Lee is a huge name. I'm talking, I mean, you know, this is like, now we're getting to the point where, like, you're getting, like, uh, mega team-ups now. Mm-hmm. We're getting into the 2000s. We just had this revolution, so to speak, in the 90s with Image Comics. Yeah. With a bunch of uh, artists that uh, broke away yeah. from Marvel. Yeah. Because of all the kind of nonsense that goes all the way back the Bob Kane. Yeah. <laughs> not getting credit, not getting the royalties, not getting not getting the the compensation that they really deserve. Because, I mean, the the artwork in comics, I feel, really does bring people in. Like, for me, I'll pick up a comic because it looks good. Right. And I'll keep reading a comic because it's written well. But you don't get that, you don't get to read it unless it looks really good. So it's the hook. Yeah. You know, that's what gets you in. Exactly. Yeah. I don't look at it. I don't look at a at a person I want to date and be like, oh, I, I guess they look all right. And I'll, I guess I'll try and learn more about them. No, it's about the attraction. <laughs> no, it's all about the physical. <laughs> Listen, I'm shallow as hell, especially <laughs> with my comic book art. <laughs> I want it looking pretty. That's some pretty artwork, baby. <laughs> Let me take a look at you. Let me get a look on the inside. <laughs> Whoa. That got a little graphic for me. Like a novel? Yeah, like a graphic, like a graphic novel. novel. <laughs> Bringing it back. <laughs> there we go. But dude, Jim Lee, Jeff Loeb together writing Batman. That's a hell of a combo. And Jim yeah. Lee, just for a little bit of reference here, I he was quickly, very quickly in his career, did he like rise to the top? Yeah, especially yeah. in Marvel, like right away. Definitely, like, yeah. He had his own. He, he was more notable for working on X Men mm-hmm. and Drew the uh, uh, the highest selling. X Men yeah. comic, yeah, like even I mean, what like eight million copies? Is that right? Am, am I doubling it? Am I am I getting I, too much? Four I don't million? recall. I just the remember. I remember Stan Lee. It was either on Stan Lee's uh, oh, uh, comic book rates. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, either on comic book rates or it was a different thing. But like he walks up to like Jim Lee, who's there, young, fresh faced Jim Lee, and he's mm-hmm. just like, "Now you sold the number one selling comic." <laughs> You know, what? Are, how many copies? 800,000, things like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. it was just, it was a high number. And, yeah. you know, Stanley, obviously, being at this point in time more of an ambassador mm-hmm. and just, yeah, putting him over. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, he had his own uh, solo X Men series. And then uh, him, Todd McFarlane, Rob Liefeld, and was it Frank Valentine? Yeah, something Valentine. Jim Valentine. Jim Valentine. And then, um, uh, Rob Ecclestone, whoever does Savage Dragon. Oh, yeah. I forget uh, that. Larson. Eric Larson. Eric Larson. Where yeah. did get Rob? I don't know. Anyways, um, but yeah, like it was a group of like, you know, a bunch of artists that were working for Marvel at the time. Mm-hmm. They just got fed up, especially yeah. like I think Todd McFarlane. If oh, yeah, you, Todd McFarlane. Yeah, definitely. If you ever get the opportunity, guys, check out. Uh, it's, a, it's a documentary film. Uh, it's like an hour and a half. It's called The Image Revolution. Yeah. Fantastic watch. And it just, it really, honestly, if you want to learn more about how negative and toxic at that time <laughs> like these guys were getting compensated yeah like the history of it all like what we've talked about mm-hmm. like this is a great documentary to get into to learn more about it but these guys got fed up went made their own company 
where each guy who worked for themselves created their own individual studio within the company. Mm -hmm. And Jim Lee was one of them. He had, uh, was it Wildstorm? Yeah. And then there was some issues down the road where they wanted to do their own individual business with also going back and working with like Marvel and DC, right. which they had the right to do because that was their, the way they had it set up. Yeah. And Jim Lee had the opportunity to uh, then sell Wildstorm, his uh, comic production, uh, you know, studio, uh, studio. And, Sold it to DC. Yeah. And he was basically working with DC again. Yeah. Or working with the major company or publisher. Yeah. Which was DC. And yeah, you just had this opportunity to see, you know, Jim Lee work with, you know, uh, big companies where he can work on big, you know, characters again. Yeah. And he's kind of worked his way all the way up to like editor. Yeah. Isn't he editor he's, in chief? He's like the top, he, he's t- top yeah, dog over at DC now. Yeah. He's he's kind of almost the head of the table, yeah. I think, working with uh, Dan DiDio. Mm-hmm. Did I, am I saying that name right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But yeah, he's pretty much one of the top dogs in DC. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. But so to have like him working on Batman. Yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah. An even bigger deal is. Is this his first time working on Batman? I think so. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I could be wrong, but I, almost, I honestly feel like this was the first. Mm-hmm. And. It's a big deal because we're talking Batman Hush. Yeah. Like another, like that's a era defining book of its own again yeah. in this, you know, the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, this one ca- creates the character of Hush, which is one that has actually had some longevity. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of come back in, in different uh, different media, in different stories. Um, but it, it, it's another one that, goes through everybody in Batman's rogues gallery. <laughs> Another like yeah. long series. This one takes it, it place kind of in continuity. I don't, yeah. I don't think long Halloween and it, it, it wasn't yeah. initially, but I think down the road, they eventually it was okay. too big that they had to make it kind of yeah. in continuity again. Yeah. So like, and that's a great, like I think that's a great sign of how successful, mm-hmm. you know, your creation is when it's too big to ignore. Yeah. You have to somehow include it. Yeah. And um, I must be reckoned with. <laughs> recognize me. <laughs> Acknowledge me. <laughs> but yeah, you've got uh, Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee working on Batman Hush, introducing a new villain who's mm-hmm. literally just this. You don't know what the hell the angle is. What's yeah. going on? Is this a mummy? <laughs> Am I fighting a mummy? <laughs> <laughs> it's Batman versus the mummy. <laughs> yeah, we just willed that into existence. <laughs> But yeah, like you said, it's also Batman going through his rogues gallery again. So it's mm-hmm. Jeff Loeb kind of doing Jeff Loeb things because Jeff Loeb did that with Long Halloween. Mm-hmm. He did that with Dark Victory. Yeah. And now he's doing it with Hush. But yeah. I think I love that concept. It's a huge story yeah. that takes over a year. Yeah. And it's Batman just running through the gauntlet. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Very, very compelling to go through it. It, it does make you want to just turn that page and see who's, who's he going to run into next. How's this, how's this mystery going to unravel? You got this gorgeous Jim Lee art. Yeah, it's just I love his artwork. Yeah, like Tim Sale, I love to death, and I like I said, I would never say that his artwork is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Right, like, I admire it, yeah. I enjoy it, but Jim Lee is. <laughs> yeah, that's a sexy beast. It's very, yeah, it's, it's very that's pleasing. A sexy Batman. Yeah, his yeah, all, all his drawings are very pleasing. Even even the way he draws cars and it's it's very um, it's organized. It's very. Uh, clean mm-hmm. you know and that's it's it's appealing to see that you know yeah absolutely and it's another you know like you said it's in continuity because mm-hmm. uh, it's taking place through the main batman titles so sales are looking great mm-hmm. i mean i remember i mean this is, i had been out of comics at that time too but i remember uh toys being released for it mm. 
I remember just because I think it was initially not released as a big like uh, graphic novel or trade. It was divided into two parts. Okay. So yeah. um, I don't know. It was just it was it was just a one of those really huge successful Batman stories at that time. Yeah. And it's just this great creative team, like mm-hmm. a megastar team in, in my opinion. Yeah. So. Kind of uh, moving forward than that, uh, kind of that took up, I would say, the rest of the 2000s is Grant Morrison. Right. As you had referred to him earlier when he he wrote and uh, co-created the Batman Arkham something. something Arkham Asylum. Arkham Asylum on (laughs) Arkham Place and Arkham Boulevard. (laughs) Serious joint. (laughs) I don't like it. I'm 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 probably in the minority, and forgive me, guys. Forgive me, listeners. If you're into that, if into that book, hey, man, cool. I just don't like it. David likes it. Shane's a hater. Hate, 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 hate. I'm drinking that haterade. <laughs> Yo, Grant yeah. Morrison. Let me tell you, man. <laughs> you don't know shit about Batman. You don't know shit about Batman. Um, uh, although he, uh, he he knows a lot about Batman, <laughs> <laughs> apparently, because he uh, teamed up for the first go round here when he started uh, writing for Batman in the mid two thousands. He teamed up with uh, artist Andy Kubert, who mm-hmm. is a second generation. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think uh, who's his dad, Joe? Is it Joe Kubert? I think so. It's definitely another Kubert. There's like three Kuberts, and I never know who the sons and who are the who's the dad. Yeah, but. Andy's also I, I like Andy Kubert's art. He's yeah. really, he's got really good stuff. But uh, him and Grant Morrison teamed up, and uh, they um, together they put out a bunch of issues called Batman and Son that mm-hmm. introduces Damian Wayne. Yeah, who yeah, is the son of Bruce Wayne Our... and Talia Al Ghul. Yeah, and again based on a um, a. a, a, a kind of forgotten graphic novel. Son of the Demon? Son of the Demon, written by, I think, like Mike W. Barr, and I forgot who the artist was. Some other jabroni. But I'm just kidding. (laughs) uh, So, you know, we're talking about Grant Morrison knowing uh, a lot about the history of Batman. He, his whole run is trying to make sense of everything that happened from the very first issue of Batman up until he was writing it. All the dark and, and brooding stuff, yeah, all the all ridiculous over-the-top stuff, the camp things. The supernatural stuff. The more uh, recent serious yeah. takes, everything. Just trying to take everything into account and say, okay, if Batman has been you know, doing this for 20 years or something like that, how does this all fit into his history? And like, that's a really cool concept to me. To, ambitious. Yeah, very ambitious to do that. And like taking stuff like we were talking about, you know, Batman with a bunch of different colored suits or Batman on different planets fighting. Back, Batman, <laughs> Batman Zen Ur R. Yeah. Uh, Am I saying that right? I, <laughs> Am I saying this right? I, Zur, I think it's Zurin R. Zurin R. Zurin R. Oh, uh, God. Taking like comics from the, the Golden Age, from the Silver Age that have these wild things and like making it, oh, this was part of like some hallucinatory. Uh, training that uh, Batman went through, mm. you know, like because uh, there was like an old comic where Robin dies on a, oh on yeah a, on a planet. And That's what like introduces, some... I think, Doctor Simon Hurt, yeah. who will be a fa- who will be mentioned here very soon, I should say. Yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, his first go round though is intro- re- you know, kind of going back and going reintroducing the concept of what uh, Son of the Demon mm-hmm. was bringing forth and yeah. introducing Damian Wayne, mm-hmm. this ten year old boy who has been trained by the League of Assassins growing up and yeah. uh, is now being, you know, Batman being forced to uh, pay up on that uh, child support yeah. <laughs> by taking and, over. And if you thought Jason Ty was a little shit. Oh, man. A Robin who is like 
just he kills he's or he's a gotta yeah. kill he's got a killer streak in him yeah um and he's just it's he's like, been trained by assassins he's yeah and, he, by, uh, and he's just has this contentious you know relationship with uh tim drake and mm-hmm. yeah just a, a very hard nut to crack like yeah. he's just not he's just not a good egg and uh honestly it took a while i i would i would credit other mm-hmm. writers and creators yeah. down the road that we will definitely talk about here very soon but i think He's been handled a little bit more properly over the years. Yeah. Um, but he does have a very interesting, unique, dynamic background that does make him a very special character. Yeah. So yeah. I wasn't really keen on it at first when they when they reintroduced or brought him in. And I'm like, eh, I don't know, Batman having an actual son seems kind of pushy. Yeah. And um, committed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's he's had figurative sons all throughout and like that seems fine to me for yeah. some reason but then like him actually having a, an actual son like oh this is like an actual responsibility that he has and, like, <laughs> I don't want to think about that wait he's responsible for this kid <laughs> wait what I'm responsible listen, for this listen I always said this was my ward but you're saying this is my son <laughs> this is my son he's my blood I call the other ones chums and whatnot but never sons <laughs> um the uh the, the, the thing that Grant Morrison does too here is that's worth noting and I think part of what gets me to like Damien a little bit more is uh, Batman is shot back through time <laughs> at some point. Well, well, we'll get there in a sec here. We'll get there in a sec. But yeah, Batman does get shot through time and it's very weird. Yeah. Um, that kind of leads us into another uh, writer uh, artist combo and that's Grant Morrison. Yeah. <laughs> Again. Again. He had a long run and uh, this time teamed up with Tony Daniel who yeah. I think is an outstanding artist mm-hmm. and uh, not a bad writer either. He's uh, he's done some solo yeah, he's work got himself. His own run on Batman as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm unfortunately I'm not really not, there's really none that's been out I guess nothing that's been out there where it took the world by storm, but I liked his potential and then it all got thrown out the window when the new 52 got got dumped on us <laughs> in 2011. Um but Grant Morrison, Tony Daniel, uh they worked together and they had a lot of different stories. They had introduced the Black Glove organization. Yeah. Um that also brought back Dr. Simon Hurt, mm-hmm. which kind of goes to that hallucinate uh, you know the that one story you mentioned where Robin dies and this yeah. hallucination thing, um, as well as the storyline, the resurrection of Raz al Ghul. Mm. Am I saying that right? <laughs> Raz al Ghul. Uh, bringing back uh, Raz al Ghul, as well as uh, kind of just being goofy with that story. And then the big one um, is Batman R.I.P., which yeah. wouldn't find out for another three, four years, was technically not rest in peace, but rot in purgatory. <laughs> So yeah. he got you. That was um, honestly, it's personally, it's not like it's never like a favorite story of mine to read or that yeah. I read. It's it's something to me. My whole issue with Grant Morrison's run personally is he is a bit ambitious mm-hmm. to combine every little thing possible. Yeah, it's just too messy. And yeah, yeah, I can it, I can yeah. definitely sense that. And it feels a lot more damaging to try and hand that off to another writer to be like mm. now make sure it's in continuity now <laughs> yeah but you just what <laughs> <laughs> the the thing that um i've i've noticed is that listening to grant morrison talk about this stuff is way cooler than sometimes reading his stuff because like like you said his stuff is like a little like i feel like i'm missing something mm. which maybe i'm just dumb maybe i'm just not picking up on, on are you dumb are you, i'm a dummy uh you got a brain in there. <laughs> but like listening to, to Grant Morrison talk about it, there's uh Grant Morrison was on Kevin Smith's podcast, Fat Man on Batman, uh, and talking just specifically about 
Batman. Mm-hmm. And like to hear him talk about it is like so cool and inspiring and, and very cool. He he also wrote a really great uh section of one of his comics. Maybe it is in R in RIP. Batman is like has been buried alive uh in like the previous comic. Mm-hmm. And like in this issue, it's him like thinking about um having to be prepared for any eventuality. And uh, I think it goes through a couple of things that he did as he was uh, training as a younger man. And uh, it all culminates in him basically saying, I'm Batman and I'm prepared for any eventuality. And him basically just like clawing himself out mm-hmm. of that out of that coffin. So like he's <laughs> prepared himself to be buried alive at some point <laughs> and get out of this. I mean, um, of course he is. Of course he is. <laughs> yeah, of course he is. And like <laughs> stuff like that, like that, that one particular, you know, it's like maybe a two or three page, you know, sequence. Um it's it 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 makes me go like this is why I love Batman. <laughs> this is like <laughs> such a great thing about Batman. Um, but uh, yeah, he, hearing him talk about it sometimes is much cooler than probably actually reading, actually it. reading it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's a fine perspective. That is something. Uh, it's just yeah. I mean, it wasn't clicking for me personally. Yeah. And hey, you know, for the listener out there, if you've read Batman R.I.P. or if you plan on getting around to it, let us know what you think. Honestly, because am I missing something? Yeah. Am I out of touch? (laughs) No, Shane. It's the children who are out of touch. (laughs) Um, But yeah, let's get out of the 2000s. It's time to get into the future, the 2010s. Hey. Hey. Now, we mentioned that little thing called New 52. Mm -hmm. And the thing about New 52 is it was art. (laughs) But... If you had to look at some of the more shiny examples, I bring you writer Scott Snyder and artist Greg Capullo. Yeah. Who, uh, Greg Capullo, you might recognize his work from Spawn. Spawn. He did a lot of Spawn. Yeah, he's kind of the main main artist on Spawn after Todd McFarlane. Yeah, after Todd McFarlane took a step back to just make a movie and capitalize on <laughs> selling toys and yeah. making sculpting toys, whatever he does. Yeah. Just really enhancing the focus of the business of his studio and really capitalizing on that success. Mm-hmm. And Greg Capullo is is outstanding. He has such a now that is like a beautiful comic book style art. Yeah. The thing with Greg Capullo is the eyes for me. Like mm-hmm. that's that that's one of the things that will make me um go like, oh this is Greg Capullo. Greg Capullo does this thing where like half lidded eyes where like you can see the, you know, you can see the eyelid. <laughs> and like his his Bruce Wayne I feel like has a kind of half-lidded eye yeah i do like i like the facial reactions he draws and i like the action sequences he uh he puts together there's a great action sequence in um what is it is it night of the owls that that storyline um where a bunch of talons are descending on wayne manor Mm. um and it's also very very well written another very cool uh batman thing Batman has retreated down into the Batcave, opened up like his uh, his like safe room or something like that. Got into it. Has I think Alfred is also safe in the room or something like that. He's got Alfred to safety, and uh, you kind of you, you don't see it at first, but he gets into a thing, and I think you see like through a visor. There's like a red you know red lit visor. Mm-hmm. All the talons are breaking on the door. They're all trying to get into this this room, uh, and they're about to get in. Finally, the door burst open 
and it's Batman in a giant mech suit. <laughs> and Batman just saying, get the hell out of my house. And like that's another like big page like reveal where it's like, yeah. this is why I love Batman, because yeah. <laughs> he's prepared for every eventuality. But yeah, uh, you, you kind of hit a little topic there. Uh, one of the more... Uh, the first big storyline that they wrote together for the New 52 was the Court of Owls yeah. and introducing the Court of Owls. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, and I mean, I'll, I'm going to touch on this in the future. Uh, I've I've chewed David's ear off on this a lot. I mean, the New 52 really kind of shook things up and probably made things a lot more inconvenient for certain creators. Mm-hmm. So they definitely had to wing it. Yeah. And with this particular story... I wouldn't really ever consider it a Bruce Wayne story as much as it should have been a Dick Grayson centric yeah, really Batman story. When you mentioned this to me, like it, everything made sense then, because mm-hmm. you and me again have talked about uh, Court of Owls starts off and it's Batman has been Batman for a while, mm-hmm. and now he's starting to figure out that he doesn't know Gotham as well as he thought, and he gets trapped by the Court of Owls in this maze and all this stuff, and it's stuff that it's like if you're Batman, you. You, should, you probably would know. You wouldn't. You wouldn't not know about these people. Yeah, you know. You would have had a clue. Yeah, like it's Batman. Yeah. it's Bruce Wayne as Batman. Yeah. So I mean, but now your what your theory is? Go oh ahead man, and tell I us. don't know if I want to get into that. You can just tell Do we it. have time? Now? I think we got time. So we've made it this far. Come on, man. <laughs> listeners, for the listeners that are you know avid avid comic book readers, if you haven't read a, a series, it was early Scott Snyder. Early Scott Snyder work with DC. It was uh, Gates of Gotham. Which this took place prior to the New Fifty Two relaunch, where Dick Grayson was Batman, and this is like when Bruce Wayne came back too from his time travel trip, uh, <laughs> and he's off uh, developing Batman Inc. across the world, mm-hmm. finding other people to represent, uh, you know, his vigilante cause, and um, there is situations going on in Gotham where notable landmarks are being destroyed, landmarks that have existed for the better part of a century or longer. Um, being created by or developed by the core families of Gotham, the Waynes, the Elliots, the Cobblepots, you know, etc. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's Dick Grayson as Batman, it's Damian Wayne as Robin, and you've got um, Cassandra Kane isn't Batgirl, she's just the Bat, um, and you've got Stephanie Brown as Batgirl, uh, Tim Drake is red robin Mm -hmm. so the bad families stepped up in this time period in this continuity which was exciting because it really felt like they're moving things forward in a way and scott snyder had been writing for detective comics at that time and he came with another great story that you should check out is uh, black mirror which really kind of further and i feel like scott snyder writing for dick grayson as batman he he got it Mm -hmm. he knew what sort of things to put in front of Dick Grayson as a challenge and to evolve him as Batman. Mm-hmm. Better than I think Peter, uh, well, I don't think Peter Tomasi had written for, but like Tony Daniel was writing for him. Um, I know Grant Morrison had teamed up with uh, Frank Quitely to, de- you know, mm-hmm. introduce the team of Batman and Robin with Dick Grayson and Damian right. Wayne. And it was a fun dynamic because it's the roles are kind of reversed with the tones. Yeah. But basically, the Gates of Gotham was meant to sort of be a setup. And at one point, you know, Hush or Tommy Elliot had been sort of, you know, broken out of Arkham as a hostage mm-hmm. um, by this dude in this steampunk engineered, you know, aquatic kind of uh, submarine outfit. Mm-hmm. And he's the big villain. He's the architect or whatever his name is. And, um, you know, Dick Grayson is just trying to 
fight this dude or figure what the heck's going on. What's his agenda? Mm -hmm. And Tommy Elliott would drop little uh, tidbits of info where he's like, you really don't know the history of Gotham, (laughs) do you? You don't know what there's more going on that you understand. Yeah. And it makes sense for Dick Grayson to not necessarily know the the entire history. He didn't grow up in Gotham. He was in a circus, a traveling circus. Exactly. So how would he know the the deep, rich history of Gotham and its darkest corners, you know? And um, so it really laid a lot of, like, preemptively a lot of groundwork. Mm -hmm. Now, around that time, boom, New 52 is getting announced and it's launching in, like, a couple months or whatever. Yeah. Rebooting everything, resetting things. To this, like, currently, if you were to, like, read interviews with some of the writers and artists that were working around that time, they were confused as what to, was what was in continuity, right. what's different, what's this, what's that, what can we use, what can we not use. Yeah, there was apparently there was just no actual <laughs> major uh, uh, precedent. Yeah, so you know at this time they're being told, well, Bruce Wayne's going to be Batman again. Dick Grayson's going to go back to be Nightwing, and he's going to have his own title being made by or written by Kyle Higgins, which was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but here we are. We've got Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo writing Batman, the main titles, and they're doing the Court of Owls story. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, when you see what unfolds and you see how inexperienced, in a sense, Batman is acting in certain moments. Yeah. And it's like, it makes you think. The world's greatest detective never had a fucking clue <laughs> yeah. that there's been a secret society. Now, you can have that argument even when he was active as Batman. Right. But yeah. I think it's more of an argument of, you know what's going on when he's not Batman, when yeah. he wasn't there. Yeah. And Dick Grayson is. Yeah. Like this was supposed to be a Dick Grayson story. Yeah. It makes it makes sense. It makes total sense, man. Yeah. I, I firmly believe that. And you know, there's nothing more I would love to do one day than to to meet Scott Snyder and to simply ask, like, was this the thing? Because I've been thinking about this for years. There's no <laughs> chance in hell that Court of Owls was strictly a Bruce Wayne story. Corner him in some Comic Con and be like, hey, hey man, hey. Right after he gets out of the bathroom and he's drying his hands, like, hey, hey, uh, 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 Scott, Scott. Uh, uh, hey, don't, don't jerk me around, Scott. <laughs> don't jerk me around. But, uh, yeah, so Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, they come out swinging with Court of Owls. That was a very popular uh, story. Yeah. Um, they How follow- long do they, is their run on, on Batman? Um, Batman? The uh, one through 50 or 52. Okay. They went. Yeah, for a, a long, long while. And yeah. then they kept working on more stories then, afterwards. Yeah. yeah they, they're still kind of working. To, and they're still working together on other projects. Yeah. Like Scott Steiner and Greg Capullo just seem to be a great fit for each other in terms of creativity and yeah. what they want to do. And um, Batman being they've they've probably have done more Batman stories together than anybody else that we've talked about on this list. Wow. Together that yeah, they've done that. that. It's crazy. But they did Court of Owls. And then they follow that up with another big story. Death of the family. Yeah. Which brings back the Joker. Yeah. Who, in that point in time that this was released, in the comics, was not around for two years. Right, because he had technically died or something. He had, mm, had his face cut off. He, he, he volunteered, he cut his face off, he volunteered right? to have his face removed <laughs> yeah. from his body. Uh, <laughs> yes. So he came back, you know, trying to break back. Staple his face back on and said, you know what? I'm going back out I'm there. I'm <laughs> back. And I'm hanging on. <laughs> To my face. <laughs> um, but he came back, you know, trying to disrupt the family, the Bat family, and break them up. Uh, the next big story they did after that, that was also kind of pretty big, was Zero Year. So mm. it's another attempt of doing a sort of origin story of Batman, yeah. retelling. Going back before year one. Yeah. Zero Year. <laughs> Zero Year. Um, but it's an attempt to, you know, once again, the, the whole New 52 continuity and the stories yeah. they were telling, you didn't know what was 
in continuity anymore because right. they're trying to like do a thing where it's supposed to promote these books to boost sales for new readers. Like, mm-hmm. don't worry about it. You've never read a Batman book before. That's okay. Pick this up. We'll take care of you. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so it's it's confusing for a comic like for some yeah. for someone like myself um, who buys these comics every every week. Yeah, and I'm like, and then all of a sudden you're like, wait, what? Who's- yeah, like so this guy's alive, but he's been dead for 20 years. Yeah. Um. Okay, that's fine, but. So that means this doesn't matter anymore. Like, right. you know, it's right. Like, I mean, I get it. And I know that's the way of life. I mean, that's yeah. the way of comics, but you kind of need a little bit more clarity. Like, is yeah. this a complete reboot? Just, you know, yeah, just commit just to that <laughs> yeah. because there's writers and artists that get together. And even during the new 52, that would reference Batman year one yeah. or they'll reference, uh, you know, uh, the long Halloween or, right. the, or any of these things. And yeah. it's like, yeah, but they're not supposed to be in continuity apparently. Yeah. And yet they are. Right. And yet they're not. But who knows? I don't know. Maybe? Somehow? <laughs> what do you think? Don't worry about it. <laughs> but yeah, they did Zero Year, which was another attempt of, t- of doing like a Batman origin type, you know, kind of uh, early Gotham days. Yeah. Um, and then they came back swinging with Endgame, which brought the Joker back again. And that was a big story, too. Yeah. It kind of sort of, you know, knocked both Joker and Bruce Wayne out of the equation for about a year. Oh, okay. And then in between, they kind of had Jim Gordon as Batman. That's which right. It was kind of cool. Kind of cool. Kind of cool, actually, the way yeah. they kind of... Like, Scott Snyder's a very good writer. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you look at Batman, you think of how fantastical he is with his uh, with his gadgets and technology and being advanced and being ahead of the curve of where current tech is. Yeah. Scott Snyder does an incredible job of just taking things to a different level that doesn't really necessarily... Yes, it's out of the realm of possibility today. Yeah. Maybe in 20 years it'll be a thing, yeah. or who knows. But he has managed to, you know, just do a thing that just makes Batman more advanced and ahead of, the, and, and ahead of everything else. Yeah. So yeah. it's fun. It made me believe that Jim Gordon could have been... Yeah, Batman, you know, because yeah. like his his bat suit was more technically uh, technology infused, you know, like yeah, it was he had very a lot tactical. He had a lot of help. Yeah, it was very <laughs> tactical, very tech heavy. Yeah, and yeah, there's levels to that. And then um, they came back for uh, Last Night on Earth, which was like a three issue kind of miniseries of sorts that they did after uh, ending their run with Batman, the main the main Batman title, and that was a fun story too. Once again, it's just them working together doing artwork. And then they came back and did Dark Knight's Metal, which is technically a Batman centric story because it involves not just Batman and the Justice League, but every evil variant of Batman <laughs> throughout the multiverse. Uh, from the Batman Who Laughs, mm-hmm. which is one of their biggest creations in modern yeah. modern times right now. I mean, mm-hmm. it's crazy. It's just it's the Batman if he was the Joker. <laughs> it's nuts. Great. Visually, it's nuts. And he, he wants to get nuts. <laughs> you want to get nuts? <laughs> all right, all right. We'll we'll get nuts. Let's, let's get nuts. Let's get nuts. Come on, man. Let's go. Let's get nuts. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, more famously, you've got the Batman Who Laughs, which is just one of the most disgusting, awesome designs you can look at. Um, kind of really making uh, Greg Capullo kind of really uh, dig deep into his Spawn time period <laughs> that he was drawn for Spawn on that one. Um, and then uh, the other evil variants of Batman that he has to fight. And then um, they do have a sequel to that, which is Dark Knight's Death Metal. <laughs> uh, that from I, And I still actually, I do have all those books. I haven't read them yet. Um, but that's more of a Wonder Woman-centric kind of story in a sense. Mm. From what I was under, what I was told, but it also still involves the Batman who laughs. So whatever, it's Batman. Uh, finally, um, nope, that's it. That's all I got. 
<laughs> I know they've done some other stuff together, but I think as far as Batman goes, that's those are the biggest um, those are the biggest pies to you know really kind of get a piece of. Yeah. So, and then entering the 2020s, you know, it's still very early on right now, and we're still trying to find our footing. There's so many other you know artists and writers out there working together, doing things. Um, personally, I've been a fan of James Tinian the Fourth, <laughs> who's a writer working with Jorge Jimenez. Yes. I hope I'm saying that correctly. And uh, together, they've recently, they worked on uh, Joker War, mm. which uh, was Joker basically just hitting at Batman as hard as he could because he now knows that he's Bruce Wayne. And he also oh, managed no. to steal all of his billions of dollars and to basically just make the entire city's life a living hell. <laughs> and yeah, uh, through that, though, they created a new girlfriend slash side kick or partner for the joker uh called punchline alexis k so she's like this huge you know fan of the joker Mm -hmm. and believes in him believes in his cause and also has her own motives and and purposes and yeah just another i mean it's not really taking the world by storm right now but yeah i was gonna say has she been very popular because i i I haven't been i don't really think so but okay beats me i mean it's not like i talked to anybody and they're like oh yeah punchline's cool like i don't know I don't think so, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> she ain't no Harley Quinn, huh? Nah, nah. Harley Quinn's a special type of character, and, yeah. you know, it's a one of a kind. I mean, it's a different dynamic because this one is a little bit more vicious and willing to kill and oh, okay. believes uh, what the Joker, like, gets the joke, so to speak, okay. is the idea. But yeah. yeah, and she doesn't really align herself with the idea that she's Joker's girlfriend as much as she's his partner. Ah, so, okay. And she plays more mind games. It, it, she's interesting. Okay. A little a little too interesting. No. <laughs> But uh, Joker War was something different. Um, I love the last issue of that story. It's really cool. Um, I don't want to give much away, but no spoilers, definitely man. worth checking it out. Um, but that's where we're at. Dave, uh, Dave anything to touch on with uh, the last couple of uh, tandems that we got here? Um, I don't think so. You, you you covered it. You've been reading it a lot more than I have, I think, more recently. So just hearing you talk about that stuff is is cool, man. Um, makes me want to kind of jump into it and find <laughs> find this more <laughs> more recent stuff and 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 uh, read it. So, yeah, man, thank you for sharing. Thanks for sharing, buddy. <laughs> well, that's uh that's our list, guys. It's a huge thing. Uh, you know, forgive us for the time spent on the Golden Age. Really, I feel like that was a very when we were doing a lot of research on this. That was the most muddled era to try and find. Yeah quality creative teams which yeah. there really wasn't anything yeah. established like that bob kane and bill finger and then people trying to do their <laughs> interpretation of batman right so so yeah. it's just all of that um what a heck of a journey um mm-hmm. if you're still listening thank you and i hope that you've <laughs> learned a thing or two about a thing or two when it comes to some suggestive you know team-ups there that would be worth looking to. That way, when you're looking at a you know at a trade paperback or you're looking at a comic book issue, if you see those names, just know at least from for me personally, and you know probably by David here if I can speak for him, which I don't, I don't probably have to. Um, just know that hey, it's worth looking into if you see those two names on a comic. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Give yeah. A just a little, a little uh, kind of jumping off points for for everybody if you know you want to jump into it. And then jump off of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> find these, find these writers and artists, and and you're probably going to find a, a good story that's uh, um, important in the Batman mythos. Yeah. And then once again, you know, listener, if you're a, an avid reader, or if you know a thing or two about a thing or two, you know, did we miss anybody? I'm sure we did. There's plenty. Oh yeah, I'm sure we did. I'm absolutely certain we did. If you got a favorite team, reach out to us. Let us know. Yeah. Share with others. You know, it, there's just so much talent, mm. so many creative teams out there. 
And quite frankly, you just want to make sure that everybody gets their, you know, recognition. Yeah. And I think that's the, that, that's why we spent a lot of time in the golden age because nobody was <laughs> yeah. getting that kind of recognition. Definitely. Yeah. And it's tough because we have to, you know, I mean, it's just, it, a lot has changed and yeah. things are still improving. I would, I don't want to assume things are perfect right now, but they're better. Yeah. You know, people are going to get more of an opportunity to get credit for making a side character that gets yeah. made into a movie, you know, or their own TV series. Yeah. You know, for example, Peacemaker. Yeah, there you go. Never in my wildest dreams would I have – I never knew of Peacemaker until James Gunn mm-hmm. made it the Suicide Squad. And right. I'm like – when they were announcing I'm like, who the fuck is Peacemaker? And, and then you were like, fuck, it's Peacemaker. Fuck, it's Peacemaker. <laughs> it's John Cena. And his name is John Cena. I love that guy now. And the Peacemaker series has been a joy to watch so far. I mean, but, you know, who would know that? And yeah. these creators and artists, they work very hard to try and do what they can to be, you know, different and to have their own identity. So definitely that's the message here is to just always, you know, kind of be that independent sort of site. Yeah, know? definitely. That, that's, that makes sense? Maybe. Independent site? I don't know. I, don't know. I, I stopped listening a little while ago. There we go. There we go. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Here's what you can listen to the next episode. David, you, wanna, you know what we're doing? You know what we're talking about? Uh, refresh my memory. I'm talking about the Batman more than one? More than one Batman. I'm talking about Batman. Whoa. Batman. 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 That's right, David. We're talking about Batman. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what that means? Uh, are you talking about the actors that <gasps> have portrayed Batman throughout the years? Get out of my brain. Oh, never. I'm going to stay there. Ah. <laughs> it's warm. <laughs> it's cuddly. But yeah, dude, we're going to talk about uh we're going to be talking about all the live action portrayals of Batman. We're just uh we're not going to like, you know, talk about each movie and be like, oh, look at these great movies. We're going to talk about the guys who played yeah. the Batman yeah. in Batman movies. <laughs> and we got a nice list. I mean, you might already know them. Michael Keaton. That's whoa, whoa, whoa. it. Whoa, don't, don't give away the whole list. Is that a spoiler? Don't, don't give away the list just yet, man. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> but just know you tune back into the Chemical Syndicate next time. We're talking about all the live-action portrayals of Batman. We're going to break it down. We're going to break it down again and break it down some more. <laughs> Give you our thoughts on who who is the best. Yeah. So, hey, David. Shane. You know where they can find us on social media? Oh, no. I haven't spelled it out for myself. Oh, no. Oh, no. I can't spell. Is it, is it check out uh, Chem Syndicate? <gasps> spell it out. Spell I'll it out. spell it out. Let me spell it out. C-H. E M S Y N D I C A T E. I did it. And you can use that and find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. And you can even find us on uh, Facebook. You know that thing. It's not meta yet. Whoa. It's just Facebook. <laughs> but you can find us there, guys. And you can also, uh, you know, find us on Facebook. Find us on YouTube. Find us on all this stuff. I already said Facebook. Anyway, you can find us on YouTube as well. You can find us wherever. Stop repeating yourself. Stop repeating yourself. Yeah, guys. Check us out. You know, uh, keep a lookout for some more content that we're throwing your way. We've got some big plans for the future here. But, yeah, keep keep a lookout for the next episode, The Batman. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Thank you. A lot. A whole bunch. Oh, a whole bunch. We can't thank you too much. Ah. Yeah. But, hey, guys, thanks for listening to The Chemical Syndicate. I'm Shane. I'm David. Take care, guys. Bye.